0: What is up, Cake Nation, and welcome back to the Chemistry Cake online podcast, where chatting about chemistry has never been sweeter. Chemistry Cake is online, and today's episode is the third and final episode of the Project Pivot miniseries. To recap, on the second episode of this miniseries, we chatted about polydopamine and pretty color changes and how Project Pivots are opportunities for innovation and exploration. Today, I thought it would be advantageous to chat about the things I learned in my first year throughout the process of switching projects and, you know, graduate school in general. Um, For some of you, this chat might just be information you already knew and therefore may not be the most informative. For others, this might be really beneficial and useful information for you and therefore completely compelling. Wherever you may be on that spectrum, I encourage you to take what you need and leave what you don't. And if you find that you don't need any of it, then I hope the stories I tell are at least entertaining. So, without any further ado, I present to you your dinner. Just kidding, here are cake's top 10 pipetter tips. Pipetter tip number one, set and maintain healthy time boundaries. What does that mean? I could easily say, I am gonna go to the climbing gym every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 6 a.m. to 7.15 a.m. every week. There, I have set a time that seems pretty healthy, right? 1.25 hour climbing sessions three times a week, every week. Great, so the setting part is done, but what about the maintaining part? How do I maintain these healthy boundaries? For starters, if I don't go at all, then setting the time boundary was pointless because the thing I wanted to do isn't getting done. Conversely, if I stay way longer than I should, you know, say five hour sessions, then that is also unhealthy for several reasons. On the topic of time, not only am I surpassing the time I've allotted to work out, but now I am cutting into time that may have been scheduled for other things, like, you know, work and research, among other important things. Uh, Additionally, climbing for five billion hours would be incredibly physically taxing on my body, but you know, that's aside the point. Now, am I saying that if you skip a session every now and then, or if you happen to stumble upon a huge burst of energy, that you stay for a little longer then you're a failure at keeping time boundaries? Absolutely not, in fact, I encourage a healthy amount of flexibility in your schedule. However, if skipping these sessions or staying for more than intended becomes a habitual thing, that's where the boundary issue comes in. And, you know, if you're wondering what I mean by healthy, that's really up for you to decide. Obviously, exercising prudence when setting these boundaries wouldn't be a horrible thing. That brings me to my petter tip number two. Set smart goals. We've all heard of this. Set goals that are specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-sensitive. Okay, Uh, I was once told by a friend a few years ago that my goals are smart, but in a different way, which confused me because I didn't really know what that meant. She then proceeded to mention that while my goals were specific, very specific, and measurable, relevant, and time-sensitive, they were also very ambitious to the point of being lofty. Another way of saying this was that I was setting what should have been long-term goals as short-term goals. And truthfully, that wasn't really practical and therefore unattainable. I was essentially eliminating any possibility of success. So a way that I've worked around this is by setting goals and ambitions. My goals are things I know I can get done within the day. My ambitions are the things I think I can get done within the day. And this has really helped my productivity because I'm allowing myself the opportunity to go beyond my comfort zone with my ambitions while still allowing myself to get things done with my goals. Now, have there been days when I got all of my goals but none of my ambitions accomplished? Oh, you betcha. Have there been days when I got both of my goals and my ambitions done? Surprisingly, yes. Uh, Have there been days when I couldn't get any of my goals or my ambitions done? (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, And this is where the flexibility that I mentioned before comes in. If we are adamant about strictly following our to-do lists to the letter, we increase the likelihood of not finishing them and thus setting ourselves up for disappointment. Conversely, if we don't challenge ourselves to go beyond our comfort zones, we increase the probability of dissatisfaction and curb our ability for growth. So really, our goals sit on a really fine line between ambition and attainability. Again, you know, I want to emphasize that each individual is unique and to exercise discernment when setting your goals because you know, in prose, it's very easy, but in practice, otherwise it's true. Moving on to pipetter tip number three. Be aware of your limits and remember that no is an acceptable option. This is something that I have struggled with and continue to struggle with a lot. I am notorious for spreading myself too thin and it's probably because I'm a little bit too ambitious for my own good. It's definitely been a learning process. And I think self-awareness is a huge step in the right direction. I realized that uh, I have this profound desire to make myself available for others to a point where I've stopped making myself available for myself, if that makes sense. And I found that in order for me to continue taking care of my village, uh, I need to make sure that I am well enough to do that. And sometimes that means saying no to some things to prevent spreading myself too thin or even burning out. Now, I'm not saying to completely abandon your village because that would go entirely against the whole Edifier village movement. But I'm also not saying to completely abandon yourself. Remember, you are a part of your own village. You know, and the best way that I like to think about it is like a symbiotic relationship. That would be ideal. Uh, and for the listeners that, at home that are just tuning into this podcast and are a little confused by my use of the term village, I encourage listening to episode two of this podcast titled #edifyyourvillage edify your village to catch you up. Uh, but I've digressed. Um, so you'll notice that a lot of the tips thus far straddle a fairly fine line. And so balance is a huge theme for this episode. Proceeding to pipetter tip number four running with the village bit, establish, and then edify your village. What what do I mean by village? I keep saying this word village. What do I even mean by that? Cake, what are you talking about? In the most intimate sense, your village is that tight-knit group of people that you can trust and rely on. The folks who will celebrate your joys with you, the folks that will share in your sorrows with you, the folks that will listen when you need to vent like a tank of nitrogen. Those folks. Um, you can think of them like the inner circle of the village, the people you interact with most closely. In a broader sense, uh, your village also includes your connections, namely your professional network. In any case, the people that you decide to be a part of your village is entirely up to your own discretion, and I would like to emphasize that in whatever way you interact with them, be intentional about it. On to pipetter tip number five, be open to constructive critiques. Now, before I dive right into this pipetter tip, I wanted to make the distinction between a critique and a criticism. While there is a considerable overlap between the two terms, there is a distinction nonetheless. A critique is a critical evaluation or careful judgment of something A criticism refers to regarding something unfavorably, so while a critique evaluates both the positive and the negative of a thing, a criticism often expresses distaste for that same thing. With that being said, in my experience, constructive critiques are essential for growth. Now, I do caution that sometimes these critiques may come across as coarse Keep in mind that if all of the abrasiveness is stripped away and we still find that the comment is constructive, then we should not overlook the opportunity for improvement. I will not and cannot deny that sometimes these comments sting a lot, but if intended for our improvement, then it is in our best interest to receive these comments openly. However. If, after whittling the comment down to its base, we cannot glean anything constructive from it, then the comment may just be condescending and thus may be considered unnecessary. Again, this is up for your own discretion, and I encourage you to use your own judgment, understanding that this also straddles a fine line. Because, you know, even if a comment was well intended, it might still be harmful. And so, again, use your own judgment. Um, and do what's best for you. Moving on to my petter tip number six. Agreement is not always guaranteed. Sometimes there will be, you know, times that others disagree with our ideas. That's okay. For instance, there may have been something that I've said in this episode or even previous episodes or even on Twitter that y'all might not have agreed with. And that is perfectly valid. And to be honest, have there been things on social platforms or general media that I don't particularly agree with? Absolutely. However, how we respond to disagreement is the important bit here. How do we respond to disagreement? Do we get really defensive and close ourselves off to the feedback that could potentially be incredibly fruitful despite the delivery being rather coarse? Or are we open to disagreement Considering all sides, and when all is said and done, make our decision from there. Something to think about, you know, disagreement is inevitable, but how we respond is ultimately our own decision. Uh, Changing the pace a little here with my tip number seven, stay hydrated. That's right, folks. You heard me. Hydrate or dehydrate. And don't worry, I won't slam you with like five billion facts on why drinking water is good for you, as I am sure you are all well aware of them. Instead, I'm here to tell you a fun little anecdote uh, that helped me increase my water intake. Some of you may know, some of you may not, that I am rather particular about certain uh, things. Um, so, So for example, the way I keep my notebook is one example and the way I organize my calendar is another. Nothing special there. What was uh, unbeknownst to me, however, until, you know, I figured this out, was that I was also very particular about the water bottle I drank out of. Now, this sounds weird, but hear me out. Um, I used to drink out of a 24-ounce double-walled insulated bottle. No surprise there. Adorned with a few stickers to dress it up a bit. uh, But I wasn't drinking as much water as I would have liked. So, you know, I thought, well, what if I invested in the brand name bottle? So you know, maybe that might encourage me to drink more water. And so I invested in the brand name bottle, slapped a few stickers on it, and for a while I was drinking substantially more water than I did initially. But, you know, I settled back into the habit of drinking maybe 24 ounces at most a day. Um, Now, I should mention that there isn't really a hard and fast set amount of water that should be consumed within the day, as that amount is largely dependent on the individual. But for my purposes, I wasn't drinking as much water as I wanted to. Um, Now, this was also around the time that I was developing a fondness for the color spring green, which is an entirely separate story in itself. But, uh, and I I don't really recall what came over me, but I remember having ordered six Nalgene bottles, two 16-ounce ones and two 32-ounce ones for the reason that I wanted two large water bottles for when I go hiking, and then another two small backup ones if I decided to go on a longer backpacking trip. It was a really weird uh, justification, but you know, that was a thing. Anyway, uh, the two large ones I've adorned with a multitude of stickers, and I have a science-themed one and an outdoorsy-themed one, which I've grown incredibly fond of. Now, you may be thinking uh, that I have digressed quite far from the topic but there is a logic behind my madness to so stay with me right something that i noticed is that my water bottle is green but not just green spring green why why does the tone of the green matter kick oh i'll tell you at least for me personally my mind strongly associates certain things with certain sounds locations and colors for example the jingle of this podcast was comprised solely on the basis of me sitting down and wondering what Termi Sue would sound like as a song, and this is what I came up with. So in a similar breath, my mind associates this particular tone of green with vibrancy and life. So TLDR, I've low-key Pavloved myself into thinking that drinking water is good for me, which it is, because my water bottle just so happens to be the correct shade of green. Uh... Uh, And so if any of you are curious, I drink about two to three liters of water a day, which is significantly more than I was drinking before. So moral of the story folks, stay hydrated. Um, (laughs) Moving on to pipette tip number eight, stay active. If you are physically able to do so, otherwise you are free to disregard this pipette tip. But on this topic, I am fully aware, at least for myself, that I am a really hyperactive human being. Uh, As in, if I am sedentary for too long, I become really antsy and start to lose focus. Um, So ways that I combat this are going for short walks, having short 30-minute longboarding sessions in the plaza, or you know, climbing up the gym in the evenings if I want a more intense workout. Now. I am by no means saying that you should start training for a marathon or you know like start pumping the iron unless you know that's something that you really want to do then by all means go for it. Um, I am however strongly encouraging being active in some capacity again if you are able to do so and this could mean going for a short walk to your friend's office on the fifth floor in the other building because your friend has a doggo and you love doggo's cake. That was an oddly specific example, and you would be correct. This is something I most definitely do, and I have no shame that about 78.9% of my camera roll is comprised of the pictures of my friend's dog. So do what's best for you folks, okay? Okay, Uh, pipetter tip number nine. Don't be afraid to take breaks. This ties in you know, to some capacity with my tip number eight. But it doesn't necessarily have to be an active thing. Taking breaks could mean going out for a spot of coffee or catching up on social media. For me, that's Twitter. Or watching short clips on the interwebs. I am a personal fan of stand-up comedy. Or listening to podcasts. This is not a promo. Or going for a short walk to your friend's office on the fifth floor in the other building because your friend has a doggo and you love dogs. Any of those things. Any of those things are accessible things. And of course, this is not an exhaustive list Taking breaks looks very different for each individual, and that is completely valid as long as you are taking them. Okie dokie. Which brings me to our last Pie Petter tip Pie Petter tip number 10. If you ever catch yourself asking what you are doing with your life, respond with my best. I have had this conversation out of frustration with myself more often than I would like to admit. Christine, what are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your life? And you know, one of the folks that lived with me in my res hall suite when I was a freshman overheard me berating myself with this and they said, you're best. And ever since then, I got into the habit of reminding myself that what I am doing with my life is my best and that is enough. Of all the Pipedra tips that I've listed, this is the one I find the most imperative. Sure, it's important to edify your village and foster those relationships. Yes, it is important to be open to the constructive feedback that others give you in order for growth to happen. But I encourage you to reflect on if you are also doing these things for yourself. Are you allowing yourself to celebrate the accomplishments that you have achieved thus far and using that as a motivation to continue with the great work that you are doing, or are you unfairly dissatisfied with yourself after having been convinced that what you've done isn't enough? Are you giving yourself room to grow and providing constructive critiques with the work that you've produced for yourself, or are you just as critical, if not harsher on yourself than anyone else? Remember, You are a part of your own village and are just as deserving of the space to grow and improve as anyone else in it. And folks, don't be fooled. I am in no way claiming to be an expert here. In fact, this list that I've provided comprises of areas that I need to improve in most and am continually working to do so and that's why I wanted to share this list with you because in my opinion the easiest way to grow is together and that's why I've been so adamant about this village bit it isn't just about caring for only others and it isn't just about caring for only self in order for the village to thrive all of its members need to put in the work and that requires a delicate balance and so listeners at home I hope that you are able to take at least one thing away with you. And if not, then I hope that you're at least entertained by the fact that I have so many photos of dogs on my camera roll. If you'd like to see them all, please feel free to follow me on Twitter at chemistrycake. This thus concludes the Project Pivot miniseries, but stay tuned for more sweet content on this podcast. This is your friendly reminder to refer back to Pipetter Tips number seven and four, and of course, to keep the hype alive. It's always a pleasure and privilege to serve as the Cake Nation's designated hype woman. Thanks for tuning in, folks, and I hope to see you next week. This is Chemistry Cake, signing off.